Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome, Las Vegas. Welcome, Reno, here in the 4 o'clock hour. Cofield and Company, Adam Candy and Adam Hill. Steve Cofield on the way, joining us at 5 p.m. You can, of course, also catch our buddy Sam Paniotovich coming up in just a little while talking about the latest and greatest in the sports betting world, including, Adam, I'm not going to steal thunder from this segment, uh, but the story out of the Circus Survivor Contest, just, it, it, it hurts my heart. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's something. Uh, we'll get to it with Sammy uh, in just a little while. It's at the Big Four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number Four. All right, Adam, I'm going to give you the floor here because I'm thinking that you might be one of the few people in our, I'm just going to say in our sphere, who knows who these two people are even anymore. I mean, I know who Kendrick Perkins is. I know who Serge Ibaka is. But, man, there aren't a lot of people left who remember that one played in the NBA and one apparently still plays in the NBA. Uh, yeah. But, but they, they got beef. What's going on? Well, so they they were former teammates at one point, so there is some knowledge between them. And Perk says a lot of things that get a lot of people angry, get a lot of people fired up. That's kind of his role uh, since he has become somewhat, somewhat of a media personality uh, after his playing days. So uh, we understand where he's coming from on a lot of this. But he is now, for the second time in the last couple of years, essentially made reference or took a shot at Serge Ibaka being much, much older than he actually says. Uh, this certainly came up during uh, Serge's, Serge's uh, free agency time when people were thinking about signing him to a deal and there were some uh, kind of shots out there of like, how old is he really? Uh, as Perk was discussing uh, the old days, then, you know, Kevin Durant only 23, Westbrook 22, Harden 22, Serge Ibaka's 21, although he was probably 30 at the time because we know how certain individuals lie about their age. Now, this is, I think, can be taken in good fun for some people, uh, and and it, I understand how it, it seems lighthearted on its surface, but Serge Ibaka put it in terms that I think you you kind of sympathize with and you understand why it's not you know all in good fun. Um, he took it to be some sort of shot at where he is from in Africa. And how there is some perception from people in America that anybody from Africa is from some, you know, deep, dark village in the in the wilderness. Uh, Serge Ibaka said, I'm sad to this day there are still prejudices based on your origin. And as Africans, sometimes we need to take a stand. I was born in the capital of the Republic of Congo, a city with a population bigger than a million, a city with hospitals, a civil registry, and an administration. I was born in a caring, loving, and united family. I was not born in the jungle. And, I mean, look, I, I think that it's easy to take what Perkins said and say, oh, come on, this is just fun. But I think Ibaka makes a good point too. Like there is there is these, you know, stereotypes that people still have to deal with coming from certain places in the world. And I think he makes a very good point about this. I think it is fairly disrespectful. It's not just a simple age joke uh, that you're making about Serge Ibaka when you say something like that. All right, you ready for some woke lib stuff here, oh Adam? Oh I, got, I got some woke lib stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna own them all. You ready for it? I'm gonna own every one of them. Uh this is not only our little group of white folks talking about African-Americans. We're talking about actual.
actual Africans yes. now and trying to trying to parse things out here. And I, I you know, I'll say this much about the whole thing. It wouldn't surprise me if what Kendrick Perkins said was not said on ESPN, was instead said on Fox News, because I believe we've had a whole discussion about someone's birth certificate and where they're really from and what their background really is. And I think that whole discussion just goes to inform the idea that for anyone, Kendrick Perkins or anyone else, to get into these discussions, it's loaded, man. It's absolutely loaded to start talking about someone's background like that because you never know who might feel the way that Serge Ibaka feels. He feels like he's representing a much larger community, and it's not just a ha-ha, pokey-in-the-ribs fun thing. Yeah, and I feel like this is not over, by the way, because uh, Kendrick Perkins has tweeted and said, uh, did you say I was spreading lies? Please don't get me started, homie. Please don't. I'm not about to talk about those OKC days and what you were doing in that locker room. I will not. But you definitely need to stop because you know I know. Carry on, though. Hold me back. Hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> Hold me you're, back. You're basically already insinuating things by putting this even out there. So you don't. I don't know if you have to say anything. Like He's putting out there like, hey, there's some there's some ugly stuff there that I can get into. But I won't right now. Like this, this could turn, this could could turn fairly ugly before it gets any better between these former teammates. Number three, you must have thought John Von Tobel was on the show today because uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the Clippers. But I, 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 jokes aside, this was unbelievable uh, with the Clippers against the Pistons. Uh, game ends up going to overtime, but h- how in the hell did we get to overtime? Uh, with a wild finish, uh, the Clippers down by 14 with three minutes to play, pulled their starters, put in an entire group of backups just to finish out the game, and they came out with their hair on fire. 16-2 over the final three minutes, uh, including a game-tying jumper with five seconds left from Terrence Mann to force overtime. And then once it got to overtime, it was all Clippers. They just absolutely took over. The The Pistons had uh, put everything they had into building that lead and uh, had nothing left uh, to try to play in the overtime. So Clippers get a win. How crazy was the comeback? Uh, entering play last night, NBA teams that trailed by 14 with three minutes to play were two and 12,873. So two victories in the last 12,875 occurrences of a team having a 14-point lead with three minutes to play. The Clippers, 0-417 in those situations. Uh, the two wins in those spots, the Hawks, uh, March 17th, 1997 against the Magic, and the Kings on January 27th, 2020 against the Timberwolves. Uh, 1,467 straight games since that night. A team in this situation had lost. That's a pretty wild comeback. And, uh, of course, the Clippers, as I said, 14-3 in overtime. Just put them away. That is, that's some you know astronomical odds to overcome, which I think leads us to say, Raiders fans, you still have a chance to make the playoffs? Number two. Sure they do. It's speaking, not quite that long of odds. And speaking of goodbyes. Yeah, uh, good riddance, bro. Oh, my God. Here, here we go. Here we go. This for, for all of you Southwest Airlines refugees listening to us right now, thinking it can't get worse, it's about to get worse. Because a man who raised $41 million for hurricane relief is in the crosshairs of one Adam Hill. Now, I know that 
your hating and your cynicism runs deep, my man. I know that it runs deep. But J.J. Watt announced today that he's retiring at the end of the season. He has two games left. They'll both be on the road. Why wait? He has a young son. Uh, he has uh, a young family. Apologize, daughter. A young family. Uh, but, Adam, wh- why why are you so desperate to get rid of a man who has done so much good? Yeah. So much good for who? Himself. And even when it's, when it's for other people, it's for himself. He is the most self-congratulatory just all about me guy ever like has he ever worked out that it wasn't on film has he ever done anything that wasn't public wait a second how, how many stories in the review journal have been bylines by adam hill i'm sorry did you just decide at some point like oh uh, you know what i don't think anybody needs to see my work i'm just gonna say by rj staff oh yeah it's happened of course it's happened. It's happened to all of us who've written sure. for a newspaper before. But you didn't just voluntarily give up your bylines. Sure, I did. I actually, I mean, not that long ago, I wrote a story for somebody and let them turn it under their name. Oh, <laughs> Kendrick Perkins. Ago. Kendrick Perkins firing shots out here. Kendrick, Sam Gordon, you are on notice. By the way, Sam Gordon was bagel. Sam Gordon was bagel. Yes. Good God. For Account re- for yourself, for, Gordon. For our Reno listeners that just joined us, had a long debate the other day about the pronunciation of the word bagel, and Sam claims it's bagel. That's what he said. For Listen, if you're one of those folks from Reno who just hates Southern Nevada, who hates all of us down here, you're right. For Re- this moment, you are absolutely right. If you're one of those people, redirect your rage at J.J. Watt where it belongs. No, redirect this it at guy. Sam, Sam and, Big and, Bagel. Gordon, that's, that's, that's him from now on. Big Bagel. Bagel. And by the way, uh, J.J. Watt, once again, ruining Hard Knocks, my favorite show on television. This is where the, the hatred started. Uh, the Texan season of Hard Knocks where, like, J.J. Watt was just Mr. Put me on camera and show how amazing I am all the time. Uh, he is He's doing it again in Arizona. It's just unwatchable. It's not even unwatchable because I watch every second of it and I love it. It ruins every scene that he's in. I can't do it. Thank goodness he is moving on, this guy. I can't, I can't take any more of the me, 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 J.J. Watt. Number one. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Multi-million dollar charity raiser. Sure, he'll tell you about it, too. J.J. Watt. Three times a award winner. Man, the first sign we had... This past week that maybe something a little fishy was going on with the Eagles and Cowboys line move wasn't actually that line move. It was the movement in the MVP market away from Jalen Hurts as the favorite and to Patrick Mahomes. I personally believe, Adam, that there's not an obvious MVP in the NFL this year. There's not that one runaway player who is so much better than everyone else because you're going to tell me the NFL MVP needed overtime against the Texans? But apparently that's where we are right now. Patrick Mahomes is pretty much the prohibitive favorite. Well, I I would argue that there is one player that is so far and away better than everyone else. But for some reason, you're not allowed to win the MVP if you're not a quarterback anymore. So Justin Jefferson is clearly the MVP. I, I, I would have a hard time finding anybody that could argue that. He's the most valuable player in the league. But it's a quarterback award now. So we're going to have to go with a quarterback. And I would vote for Jalen Hurts, but the voting has coalesced completely and totally around Patrick Mahomes at this point. 
Uh, I think something crazy would have to happen, not only in his final two games, but also in the Cincinnati-Buffalo game. Somebody would have to go absolutely crazy. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP. Jalen Hurts, I think, would probably be the most deserving of the quarterbacks, and Justin Jefferson should win the award. I mean, that's that's where I am at this point, but I, I think it's going to be Mahomes. All right, let's chase this rabbit hole down, because I think if you're going to go as far as a receiver, I think the winner is Tyreek Hill, because Tyreek Hill has gotten it done with a lesser quarterback. He's gotten almost the same numbers. In fact, same yards per reception as Justin Jefferson, but he's done it having to catch passes from a guy who concussions aside there have been moments for Tua that have Kirk Cousins hasn't had those moments Ooh, I think I think I would take Tua over Kirk Cousins Ooh, okay you think Tua for what for for one game to win this year well what time is the game starting <laughs> <laughs> and 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 who is the concussion spotter in Miami that's yeah. the real question I mean Kirk Cousins can't play at anything but 10 a.m. <laughs> That, that is fair, and uh, Tua Tungavailoa apparently needs a full team of independent medical reviewers, who, new ones, to be out there watching him. Because how in the world did we allow him to go back out there again? How did this happen again? It happens once, it's bad enough. How did this happen again? Uh, two, have a two times can't get fooled again? Shame on me. Yeah, yeah. Fool me <laughs> once. Fool me once. Shame on me. Uh, whatever. Take a fool again. I'm hey, apparently I'm the one getting hit in the head these days. Ah, <laughs> fine. Mahomes isn't the MVP. Give it to a receiver. That's where it belongs. It's Cofield and Company live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome into our friends up in Northern Nevada as well as in. Las Vegas Valley, Adam Candy and Adam Hill on Adam's family edition of Cofield Company, Ari as well, in the Finley Toyota Studios. And we've joked a lot on this show about Southwest Airlines thus far today. And we know that legitimately some of you out there right now who are listening to us probably had a flight out on Southwest, got it canceled, been seriously delayed. Um, People who were at the airport yesterday and had their flights canceled were told this airline is shutting down for three days. <laughs> Don't even bother trying until Friday. Shutting down. If you look right now, 99% of the flights that have been canceled in the U.S. tomorrow, of the 2,550, 99% are by Southwest. Adam, how many bags did you say are, are, are currently sitting at Southwest at the airport in Vegas? Currently 3,000. 3,000 bags. Yeah. Christmas gifts. Yeah. Medications. Toiletries. Just sitting there because no one can get anywhere near them. It's wild. And look, for those that are, you know, kind of still not, you know, in the dark a little bit or haven't read the news and figured and tried to, you know, do some digging, I'm sure people that aren't traveling right now probably aren't, you know, too focused on it. But it's something to, you know, pay attention to because it did happen with another airline a couple months ago, I think back in the summer. Uh, with Spirit Airlines, but that's not quite as popular as Southwest. And, and the issue is an outdated system for the crew where the system is set up to tell the it, – it tells the rest of the system, hey, this is where the pilot is, this is where the crew is, this is where we have people. And once there's like a couple flights canceled, it kind of snowballs a little bit, 
and it's impossible to update that system the way that, that it is because it's so outdated. And so it falls so far behind. Now it has no idea where any of the crew members are, when it, where any of the pilots are, and so they can't reschedule it. And then it backs up so far that I know I, I saw I've seen screenshots on social media of you know crew members for Southwest who have been on hold for o- over 23 hours trying to tell Southwest where they are so that they can stay somewhere in a room and get the rest that's mandated by the FAA. So that also plays into it. So it just it's kind of snowballs out of control. And so the more flights get canceled, the more other flights that get canceled, and it's just become a mess. So it sounds like what you mentioned about shutting down for a few days, they just have to do a hard reset on the system, re-update everything. Obviously, they have to update their their technology at some point, but it, it just sounds like a disaster, and, and it, it sucks, but I'm, I'm sure you're frustrated with the employees that are there, but it's not their fault. It's it's an airline issue, but it's not even – it's not even like a, a specific management issue. It's a it's a, a system that was outdated, and they just, you know, got caught in this, you know, awful cycle, and they can't get out of it. So it it just sucks for everybody. I know, you know, personally, I I don't think that he'd have a problem with us saying that Steve Cofield got his flight not only to his Christmas destination, but home from his Christmas Christmas destination canceled. And ended up having to drive so that he could meet the team. I know we're going to talk about it next hour. And I'll just tease it right now and say there is a Rebel player that has not been able to meet the team after his Christmas break. Yep. And he's far from alone. I heard uh, for our listeners in Reno, I heard stories from folks up there that about half of the Wolfpack women's basketball team was not able to get back for practice uh, because of all of these cancellations. And obviously there are fewer options into Reno than there are into Vegas. I had a good friend who was at the airport Yesterday, we've relayed that story to me about you know the, the three-day shutdown. But imagine sitting there for a good solid five hours waiting for your flight. It's still on the board, right? Like every 20 minutes, it's getting updated, delayed, delayed, delayed. Hasn't been canceled. She watched as pilots came to the gate. Two pilots showed up to the gate five hours after it was supposed to leave. People were cheering. Hey! Pilot comes on, says, we're here. We just got to get. Some flight attendants ready to take off. Two pilots got a plane that's been sitting there for the entire time. And a half hour later, pilot comes out and says, well, it's your almost captain. And has to inform everybody that there are no flight attendants. (laughs) Now, the truth is there are flight attendants. But like Adam just told you, the system has no idea how to account for them. Like there's no way to put into the computer system these are the flight attendants who will take this flight. And, like you said, have they had the contractually obligated rest that they're supposed to have? Adam, you talked about a hard reset. You hard reset a computer. You hard reset a PlayStation. You turn it off. They're like, oh, have you, have you turned it on, on <laughs> off, off again? Have you turned it on and off again? But you don't do that with an airline. Isn't that every IT person's solution ever? Exactly. Oh, oh. And the first time they say it to you, you're always like, Yes, of course I have. Do you think I want to look so stupid in front of you, IT person, that I haven't considered turning it on and off again? Well, apparently that's Southwest. Southwest needs to turn on and off not only the passenger system, but the crew system. 23 hours waiting on hold. And by the way, that's so they can get a hotel room paid for by the company. Yeah, some of them, I I saw some of them on social. And again, you don't know for sure. Uh, but I have no reason to believe these people are lying that they're like, you know what? I'm just going to book my own hotel room and hope that at some point down the road, this all gets figured out and I get reimbursed. 
Like it's it's crazy. And by the way, not to take shots at at IT people, but I will in general. And sorry out there if you are one, because I'm sure you're fantastic at your job. Uh, It's always two. There's two questions. Did you try to turn it off and turn it back on? Of course. And the other one. Well, what'd you do to it? (laughs) Okay. If I knew that, I wouldn't have this question for you. Stop asking those questions as IT people. Look, look. If a doctor comes to me and I have an issue with my blood work, and they're like, "Well, what have you been doing?" You're the doctor. I don't know what's going on in my. What's going on inside? You, you figure it out. That's why I'm here. You're the expert. You're not a special human being, IT person. You would just have training. You have training that I don't have. So I'm, I'm here talking to you. That's the whole concept. And. Along those lines, we're going to let a little bit of our our IT frustration out. Hey, if you're out there and you are having a problem with Southwest, we feel for you. But please, my God, do not take it out on the person you get on the phone. Please, Do not take it out on the person at the gate. They they have no control over anything. They They are more frustrated having to deal with everybody who is mad like you than you are trying to get home. It's not their fault. Um, and by the by the way, I did hear this little secret, so I don't want to give away to everybody, but I will. Call the uh, international number. That's the one. Call uh, the international so number. If you are calling the the domestic number for help, it's like hours and hours on hold. But the international lines seem to be wide open. They're toll free. Yep. You don't have to pay. It's not like calling a nine hundred number. Not that I'd know anything about that, but you don't <laughs> have to pay. You can get answers. All right. So Adam. I I am a Southwest flyer regularly. I know you probably are with uh, with everything you've done over time. Am I right about that? Sure. Okay. Does this in any way jeopardize Southwest with you? Um, no. Same. No. This I'm... is such an apocalypse kind of event. Like it's a once in a yeah blue moon thing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it just it just so happened that all this weather happened on the busiest travel, you know, one of the busiest travel days of the year, and it's if you really look into what happened, it's it's this system meltdown of a perfect storm hitting at the exact same time, which is very unlikely to happen again. So, um, I I am not a you know uh, like this is just whatever. I I like to look at what the actual reasons for things are. And I know a lot of people don't do that. And a lot of people jump to some other weird, you know, crazy things of blaming all, all this. Whatever whatever their issue is in the world, they want to blame that for this. Um, and I, I'm more of a, all right, let's figure out what the, what is it. Okay, this actually, this explanation makes sense. I don't think it's going to happen again, so I'm fine with it. And and, and if you're listening to us right now, Vegas, Reno, <laughs> wherever way, you are. If you're somebody that's stranded and you're like, screw yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, you're not stuck at the airport. We've been. Yeah. Trust me. We've yeah. done it before. Of course. Uh, Adam and I have traveled enough. I've slept in many airports. We've we've done this before. But understand something. You are talking to two people who are very quick to um, point out flaws where we see flaws, to have cynicism about things that go wrong. To potentially uh, inform someone who has done us wrong that they have done us wrong, and the, we are two people sitting here saying this, this like it doesn't usually happen on this scale, but it happens. Like there's and the people that you are going to encounter, that you are going to talk to about it, had nothing to do with it. No, it's a disaster. But you just said spirits had a meltdown. 
Am I going to spirit? Am I taking my business down the road to spirit? No. Yeah, I am. I'm not because the Southwest is the same airline where I had a flight a couple weeks ago where I showed up two hours early. They were just about to close the gate on the one that was leaving right before. And I walked up. I was like, hey, got any seats on that one? Like, are you A-list? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, come on. Easy. Easy. I'm cheap spirit. I'm not going to hate on them. Uh but Ooh, I, I yeah. will, oh, can I do another public service instead of not just the international number? If you're stuck at Harry Reid, hmm. the walkway between B and C concourse is the best place to oh, sleep. There, there are there are whole places to like counters with power outlets where you can set up and no one will be around you. Yeah, no one will bother you. It's fantastic. They have great vend- There are great vending machines over. There's an M and M's vending machine right in the middle of the whole thing. No one. Will bother you. We're giving up. We're giving up way too much information. <laughs> and by the way, that's our local airport. I can tell you at probably thirty different airports where the best place to sleep is. That's how much we've been affected by these things before. So we're t- we're speaking from experience. And like, look, it sucks. We're it not big timing. Sucks. I promise we're not. It. We're we're not big timing you. We are speaking as your compatriots. We are speaking as people who have been there who have been stuck in these situations and had absolutely no recourse, who have bought extra tickets beyond the ones that we had to try to get somewhere because we had to get somewhere. And we've, we've been there. We feel for you. Whether you're in Vegas, whether you're in Reno, suffering with it right now, we we feel all of it. If you're, if you're, if you're a Raiders fan suffering through all of it, you are dealing with even worse right now after what you had to watch on Christmas Eve. You were probably stuck in an airport watching the Raiders and the Steelers, and that sounds like the worst possible outcome. We've lost a number of close games, and I think we need to do a better job of executing our job consistently. Like you said, we disappear on some drives or don't execute at critical situations in football or turn the ball over, and I think we did a better job of that in the middle of the season. We saw us win some close games, and then the past few weeks we haven't been able to do that. So really we have to make sure we play our best in situational football, the offensive line, the running backs. But if we did a better job of that and continue to do a better job of that, we'll win games and win up once more games. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Voice of Mick Lombardi, offensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders, coming off a 13-10 loss in Pittsburgh that all but ended their playoff chances, although Adam, I think, tried to give y'all a little bit of hope earlier. Because um, that's what he does. He's he's point, a man of point nine percent. Yeah, I mean, definitely Jim Carrey. So you're saying there's a chance? I I got it. Um, Cofield and Company on your Tuesday afternoon, ten minutes away. Sam Paniatovich is joining us for his usual Tuesday spot. What happened in the Circus Survivor contest that lost someone? Well, not lost, I guess. Cost someone. <laughs> Millions of dollars. The Raiders um, happened. Mm, yeah, it's kind of where we were headed with this whole thing. <laughs> um, we will talk to we will talk to that noted betting prodigy uh, Sam Paniatovich about that. Superstar, um, superstar, superstar, superstar I've, I've, Sammy. I've read all these things. Yeah, I've I've, I've read they're they're in the rags. Raiders are Raiders are in the rags a bit right now, my friend. Um, they finish Niners and Chiefs. <laughs> That's not the most encouraging thing you could say to a Raiders fan who is trying to feel good about that .9%. And, and you heard there from Mick Lombardi, Adam, obviously you've, you've already heard that, about situational football. They're close. The situation, you know, 
the situations just haven't gotten it done in the big moments, and the latest of those was Derek Carr with a wide-open Hunter Renfro to potentially put the Raiders at least in range for a tying field goal against the Steelers, firing it over his head for an interception. Let's just get to the general conversation before we bother talking about Derek Carr in particular, since that's the subject of the day. But last year, the Raiders were 7-2 and in one-score games. They had a lot of these things break their way. This year, not as much success in the one-score games as they had last year, although they still have had some breaks go their direction. So how different is this year's team than last year's team if we're in the same situation where we're talking about flips of the coin in certain situations that determine whether or not they win? Well, I still believe this year's team is better than last year's team. I'm I'm leaving you the floor to make that case because I I legitimately am asking you that question. Yeah, I, to say like how different are these two teams? Look, it's it it I believe and this is I know people really hate this so much. Uh but I feel like you're somewhat not totally on my side but closer to my side that end of game situations are basically coin flips. And I believe this team is just better than last year's team. They haven't had the things go their way at the very end of games. As you mentioned, there was one big one against the Patriots. But for the most part, uh, those little things have not gone their way, whether it be, you know, fumble recoveries, which are fairly random uh, coin tosses, you know, potentially in overtime. They won, you know, they lost the one against the uh, against the Cardinals, but they ended up winning that game. Like there's just little things that happened toward the end of games. It's calls, it's it's some fluky things. Plus last year, they they were going against backup quarterbacks almost every week. They they were going against teams that were really depleted by injury and other things. And this year, I think they've had a a more a diff, more difficult schedule in terms of who they've played and when being healthy and that sort of thing. I just think the product on the field is better. And I know people that drives people nuts because they went to the playoffs last year, but I've said all along that was fool's gold, and, and a lot of people got carried away with it. Look, the difference between last year and this year is Nick Mullins versus Baker Mayfield. That's it. Because if last year's team loses to Nick Mullins with the Cleveland Browns, then they don't go to the playoffs. But if this year's team beats Baker Mayfield, they still have a decent shot of going to the playoffs. And that's really where we are with the Raiders. The offense is in a lot of ways better. Derek Carr hasn't been better. Pass rush, similar. Secondary, weaker. But you know what? They should have been in the mix a lot more than they were. Betting prodigy, Sam Paniotovich, in just a minute. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Cofield and Company, Tuesday afternoon. Adam Candy, Adam Hill, Ari at the... Finley Toyota Studios, and normally I would just launch into a betting topic, but I, Adam, I need to make sure that, considering our our guest here is someone of high repute, that we give him a proper introduction. Uh, if you haven't had the chance, I, first of all, I didn't know that we were even allowed to talk about him anymore. I thought well, he was so far above. Only us. if we only if we give the proper introduction, uh, you you should check out the story in the Chicago Sun Times by my old colleague uh, from Las Vegas Sun, Rob Mish. Uh, talking about this gentleman, quote, a betting prodigy, end quote. Uh, there is a, another section of the story that says, quote, he attracted female attention, too, <laughs> with his Sinatra-like charisma and charm. Welcome in 
Las Vegas and Reno audience to Frank Sinatra's second coming himself, Sam Paniotovich. Welcome, my buddy. Welcome. How you doing? I really don't know how to respond to that. I know that was 70% snark, but I <laughs> let me start by saying this. Rob Mish is a bigger fan of me than my own parents, and that's <laughs> that in itself is amazing. The second thing I wanted to say is that this is the 52nd week of the calendar year, and yours truly has appeared on this program in 52 of 52 weeks. How about that? Oh, Southwest wow. is jealous of your kind of consistency, sir. Very I've been impressive. on the show more than Cofield. That's, That's true, actually. True. By the way, does that change now? I mean, this is this has elevated you into a new stratus. No, this will not change. This okay. is one of my favorite parts of the entire wow. week. Wow. You know that. I am not pulling chains. I love to pull chains, but not on this program. Oh, wow. I, th- I, th- I was assuming that you were just moving on up to bigger and better programs. Sure. Like uh, maybe, maybe, maybe JT was just going to own you from here on out. <laughs> If you want to send Ari to pick me up at the Super Bowl, that's yeah. a different. I mean, we can have that conversation. Yeah. Maybe I should start asking for more stuff because I will see you guys uh, for the Super Bowl in mm-hmm. Vegas. I fly in on Thursday, so if you want to send Ari to pick me up, that'd be great. Uh, that's uh, your that's your own loss if you, if you want Ari. To pick he'd you up. probably get lost, so we're not going to do yeah. that. Well, we, uh, we can't do that. I do have a problem with uh, Mr. Panyanovich. I'll call him because he's uh, way above us now. Sending, first of all, you're sending a tweet as you're going on the air. Very good at multitasking. Yep. Uh, are you trying to jinx uh, my Michigan Wolverines by saying they are going to win by three touchdowns? No, not at all. I have broken this game down every which way. You know, you obviously want to see which players are available in the big games, which guys are going to be hurt, which guys are going to opt out. And that's not really an issue, I guess, for Michigan or TCU um, because by all accounts, both teams are trying to win this game. Just answer me this. Let me let me throw this at you, Adam Hill. In what area of the game does TCU have the edge? Uh, I don't think any. That's my point. I mean, look, TCU's had a great season, and we applaud them going 12-1, and being better than Oklahoma, the Pokes, Texas, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas State. That's awesome. I mean, their win total was 6.5. So to go 12-1 to go and one with a total of 6.5 is remarkable. But now they face, arguably, the most complete team in football. Michigan's better on offense. They're top 10 efficiency. They're better on defense, top five efficiency. Better special teams. I believe a better coach. And, you know, the one thing about Harbaugh, he got a lot of crap a couple years ago, two, three years ago, when he was losing all the time to Ohio State. He has instilled, or reinstilled, rather, a toughness and a physical style of bully ball that would make Bo Schembechler proud. They have dominated all season on the line of scrimmage. They dominate on the O-line, on the D-line, which makes life easier on the skill positions and the secondary. And I don't think that's going to change under the bright lights on the big stage. I honestly think this is like 38-13, 38-17 Michigan. And I, you know me, Hill. I don't like favorites. I think this is a blowout. I like it. I hope you're right. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, based on the article, I think, you know, 80%. I think I, I saw was your uh, percentage back when you were a kid. I hope that's still continues. Don't misquote me. Reread it. it you said it. you weren't 80%. You were like three out of five, four out of six. Per yeah, week. Like yeah, no big deal. I read, the, I read the article. I was it. I actually very yeah. much enjoyed it. We're joking about it. I thought it was very good. And I thought it was very good to see you get your uh, your respect as what Wait you are. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 60%, 80%, the same thing? I could get a job at pregame with those numbers. <laughs> 
don't comment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not very, surprised. Very uh, <laughs> Sam, what on earth happened in the circuit contest this week? This was wild. Yeah, I saw that like somebody almost forgot to like submit the pick and then had to scramble in and get the pick in. And then if if one of the games was it, I can't remember which game because I was commuting back from Chicago in a in a blizzard. Which game, like if if one game would have went a certain way, it would have been over, but yeah. then it didn't. Which if, game was if that? The, the if the Raiders. Raiders would have held on against the Steelers, the contest was over. Oh my God! Yeah, they couldn't beat Kenny Pickett. <laughs> yes. Did, by the way, didn't I tell you bozos that they should have fired Josh McDaniels in like October? And everybody's like, "Oh, give him more time." You still want more time on that one? He's coming back. Um, well, yeah, of course, because they're not going to pay him to leave. Um, yeah, this contest has been you know sensational to follow, and you know you know what's interesting to me too is that you know because the NFL and I heard you earlier, Adam. You know, end of game stuff is is basically a coin flip. I, I do agree with most of that you know I, chris andrews told me five years ago the nfl is basically plinko in the final five minutes and <laughs> yes. I, I do agree with that if you just drop the thing and see where it lands but you know what i noticed that most of the people that are still alive late in these circus survivors they are on their like fourth and fifth or sixth entries you know what i mean like i've been entering every year with one entry and i'm always out by week five if not earlier I think the key is you have to basically butter your bread with multiple entries and then you can sort of detour off the path week 10, 11, and 12. Like if you have four or five entries and you're alive through half the season, then you can basically make each entry its own. Yes, I saw what happened, of course, but I think it's very obvious now that people that are winning and people that are thriving in the Circus Survivor have multiple entries. They don't have one they don't even have two. They have three, four, five, six entries, and that's something to pay attention to. Sam Paniotovich joining us from Nesson from Fox Sports and from the pages of the Chicago Sun-Times. If you were trying to play the Packers in contests, it'd be probably really nice if you had multiple entries because it's been different teams at different points of the season. But um, smug Aaron Rodgers telling us a week and a half ago that they still had a shot at the playoffs is starting to look a little more realistic now. It was funny because I brought this up at the end of our interview last week, and by all accounts, you were a part of that interview. And I said, hey, you know what you might want to think about? Green Bay to make the playoffs. One of the books in Vegas was dealing a 7-1 to one on Green Bay. And my point was this simple. Look, they can beat Tua in Miami. Miami had lost, what, three games in a row? So it's not like the Dolphins had come in as gangbusters by any means. And now you look at that same number right now, at Circa Sports, Packers to make the playoffs from 7-1 to one to plus 160. And my point last week was sometimes you bet the right numbers just to get ahead of the curve. If you would have made that bet last week, Green Bay to pretty much win out and make the postseason was 7-1. They go into Miami, beat the Dolphins, and now with them going back home against Minnesota and Detroit, they're going to be favored in both games. Now they're plus 160, which – if you have that ticket at 7-1, to one, you could bet off it. You could hedge it. Now you could bet other teams like Detroit or Seattle or New York. You can do whatever you want. Sometimes making the right bet is more important about the number than it is about the result. I'm going to go behind the curtain a little bit and uh, point out that you sent us a text message that said, NFL games have sucked lately. I wholeheartedly disagree. I, I would rather watch three hours of an NFL game, even a bad one, than do almost anything else. 
Anything else? Oh, I said almost. Okay, all right. Let me let me read you some final scores from this past week. Ready? 19 to 3. 17 to 10. 17 to 9. 19 14. 13 10. 19 16. 20 to 3. Sounds awesome for those that like to bet unders and props. Fine, but you you know what? You know what? Most people listening to this program are not betting unders, and you know that. <laughs> right. That's why we're trying to educate them. It's been a pandemic across the last couple of weeks because when the weather hits, this is a, a fascinating conversation to have. I know we don't have a lot of time, but we can still have a good time. How low do you make a total in Pittsburgh when it's 24 degrees with 20-mile-an-hour winds and you know two offenses that aren't that good like that total in Pittsburgh and Vegas i believe the total closed at what like 37 or 38 and they weren't even close i mean they had 13 points at half and it was never in doubt that under was never in doubt and i think these books i, I honestly i don't think these totals in mid to late december with all the weather and wind and snow i don't think the totals are low enough and clearly, I just gave you five or six games that were absolutely atrocious to watch. I mean, you hit on, you know, talk about 37. What about what we had in Cleveland? That thing touched 31 at one point and still went under all numbers. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough because fundamentally, I have sort of built my handicapping around, well, I, I can't go under this number because it's too low. And damn it, <laughs> it, it wasn't low enough. Um, it opened 35, got down to, like you said, 31. It was basically an Army-Navy total, and it still didn't matter. And how about this? It's it's nothing-nothing at the end of the first. It's 10-3 to three at half. Nobody scored in the fourth quarter. Deshaun Watson, which I remember I was listening to this show a month ago, and Adam said, I can't wait to bet against Deshaun Watson when he comes back. And if you've done that in the last three weeks, you you're up money, and I'll tell you what, there's a really good chance they lose the next two games at Washington and at Pittsburgh, but you're still basically paying the price like Deshaun Watson is a pro bowler, and clearly he is not. Yeah, and I can't wait to bet on him next year, by the way, because he'll be good uh, again because he's very, very talented. He just hasn't played in two years, uh, so that'll be something to keep in mind. Uh, bar the bartender is always a source of great uh, information, especially the wrong information, and especially lately he is struggling, man. And it's starting to get mental for him. I mean, it's always <laughs> mental with him, but this was a guy, and you know, I, I, I was saying this on chicken dinner. I'm like, just give it time because there was a stretch when he was about 14 and eight or 14 and seven. I can't remember exactly. And then everybody's like, Oh, the bartender's better than you, Sammy P you suck. And here we go. The bartender has lost seven of his last nine. He is back under 500 where he belongs. All time, he's 50 and 66, so he makes you money if you fade him. And now, Adam, he doesn't know what to do. He has no – up is down, left is right. Everything is backwards. And now, as we head into the playoffs, this is where we want the bartender. Like, you know he's going he's gonna to bet the Packers week one of the postseason they're going to get killed. Like, he just he – is, he is not – he is not in tune with reality right now, and that's good for everybody else. If you go right now to the Chicago Sun-Times, <laughs> you can read about young Sinatra Sam Paniotovich before he was Sinatra. <laughs> 
you can read about phone calls to the Paniatovich home where they asked for Sam, but people didn't realize at the house they weren't asking for Sam's dad. They were asking for a high schooler named Sam Paniatovich to give them their tips, and you get them, Las Vegas and Reno, here for free, for free, from a betting prodigy named Sammy P. For gracing us with your time, sir, for 52 consecutive weeks. Thank you. What an intro, what an outro. i got to grease your wheels, too. Thank you for that. <laughs> Every now and then, boys. Every now and then. Steve Cofield joins from San Jose in just a moment as Cofield and company rolls into the 5 o'clock hour.